fuck, dude? 5,000 views before I made a, my first dollar. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 177 of Mirrorless Minutes. In this week's episode, Jerry and I touch on some topics that are near and dear to every photographer out there who does anything on the internet. We also share a few articles that we found online, and of course, as you expect, our back and forth banter. All that and more on this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. And we're live, ain't we? Yeah. yeah I just realized that. <laughs> so for those just dipping in, we were talking about... Um, Instagram recently. money. Yeah, Instagram money. So a while ago, Jerry got an invite to do... Um, like a bonus program on Instagram, paid Instagram reels. And I got in on that about, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, whenever my first reel was, that's when it started for me. Um, and it goes like, it's like a bounty program. You've got like the first bounty program. I they said I could make like $1,250. Right. And you get all excited and you're like, yep. yeah. And then you realize, oh, you have to have 11 million total views to, right, to right. reach that amount of money. And then Jerry was saying that once that bounty expires, your next one is harder to reach. Like you have to have whatever, just some absurd number of, oh, yeah. of views to even get any money. And I think I'm at... It's like $24 and change right now is what I'm at with my reels. So, <laughs> hey, if you're watching or listening, go follow me on Instagram and click on those reels like repeatedly right, click on them. Right, right. Watch them over and over again. <laughs> I figure uh, 25 bucks that'll probably get me, I don't know, maybe 75 or 80 miles in my truck <laughs> in gas. Jeez, it's so ridiculous. But, <laughs> yeah, and if you're watching right now, this isn't like – the show you know this, this is, is this is the pre-game yeah it's the pre-game pre-game show this is like pre-roll stuff so <clears throat> just wanted to get it queued up loosen up the vocal cords see if i can hammer through this uh this whiskey real quick what's you drinking uh jameson black barrel nice yeah it's funny so i bought so on my day job i have these these agencies that represent us around the country and um, I've got my own agencies that I oversee or whatever. And one of my agencies actually in Wisconsin, they did, uh, they brought us a really great project. It was a really lucrative project. So I wanted to reward the salesperson who brought that job. And so I wanted to gift him two bottles of Jameson Black Barrel. And so I went to the liquor store and bought them. We were going to ship them. And then we found out you can't ship liquor to Wisconsin. Really? So, Yeah. So Good. I ended up, right? So I bought the bottles back because I bought them on my company card. So I bought them back and then we just got him a gift certificate to a local, um, whatever, liquor store in his area. Right. <laughs> and I just told him he could go buy it himself. Or he will buy 14 <laughs> packs of Natty Light. Right, yeah. I mean, he liked, so he, he specifically requested Jameson Black Barrel. Really? Nice, nice. So nice. I, I gifted my dad a bottle, and I kept a bottle for my bar. So it's good. It's really good. Yeah, Jameson's good stuff. Yep. But anyways, yeah. It's 8 o'clock, people. Oh, for real, real? Is it? Yes, sir. Oh, do we, we roll that beautiful bean footage? Let's do it. Will it go full screen this time? Yes.
Yay. I need to fade that out. I think I need to, need to like redo the intro and have it fade out. So it's not hmm. just ding, ding, poof. Right. Boom, here we are staring at the camera. It needs to be like ding, ding, and then have you riding a bike. Oh, my gosh. You know what? Let's do this, Jerry. Let's find some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what we're going to do. Bear with us, everybody. Jerry and I are going to find a tandem bicycle. We're going to wear short <laughs> shorts and tank tops. <laughs> and we're going to be riding down the boardwalk in Grand Haven, and that's going to be the ding, ding. We'll ding, go by ding. and we'll wave. <laughs> oh man we'd never live that one down hello everybody <laughs> all right so we got steve, steve in the house we got my sweetheart shelly here john thomas john and we got donna here donna? Yeah. captain rick in the wonder van he's not out shooting rick? tonight in his happy van oh you got a van you got, yeah, you, dude. Got, you got rid of the flex, Rick? Dude, he got a sprinter van that he's all decked out into like a photo camping nice. wagon. Yeah, did, you buy, did you buy that from Jason Helmer? <laughs> and uh, Shelly said she'll shoot us on a tandem bike. No, you won't. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, Neil Weaver in the we house. Got Neil here tonight. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, so I know it's been a, it's been a hiatus. So Dwayne... Um, messaged where is, me. Where is Dwayne? I'm disappointed right? he's not here. Dude, you should be watching right now. I'm waiting for that comment to come in. Him yeah. screeching it on two wheels saying, I made it, I made it. Uh, he messaged last week just to check in and make sure you and I were okay because... I heard about that, yes, yes. Took a little bit of an extended break from the show, but, you know, every once in a while you have to do those things. A little, uh, little right, mental cause, clarity. Because a, a week <laughs> is not enough. Right. <laughs> Hey, life gets busy sometimes. Everybody right. understands it for right. sure. But but we're back. We got a couple of topics to talk about tonight. Um, it's actually based on a couple of articles that Jerry and I were reading online on a couple of different photography websites. Uh, one article over on F-Stoppers. And I'm just curious, too. How many people read like these Photo websites? Blogs? Yeah, you know, like it's kind of like reading the paper for f photographers. You know, I do you know, every day. I, I check them for something interesting. I, I want to read them, but sometimes they just ramble on about shit I don't care about. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, they like, they try to get fancy with the wording and and be funny. And I'm like, dude, just get to the point, man. I didn't come here for your humor, man. Then you're not the audience, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one was on Petapixel and the other one was on F-Stoppers. And we'll start talking about those here in a few minutes. But they were... So Rick said he does sometimes. So that's good. I know I get, you know, here's the thing. I don't want to read the news, especially, you know, we're not even going to talk about it tonight, but especially, you know, with all the bad stuff that goes on, I don't want to read the regular news. There's, no. no, I want to read about things that interest me or bring me joy or that I can learn from. So, and I don't read everything on these photography sites. I just, I cherry pick the stuff that I think I might be interested in. And you're right. Sometimes I'll start digging into these articles and I'm like, are you just trying to be a little bit loftier about a well, really look, basic subject than you need yeah, to be? Yeah, like some of them articles are way longer than they actually have to be. Well, I can't say anything about that. I'm a little wordy <laughs> myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, right, right, right. if I write something, it could probably be three paragraphs but when i'm done writing it's like three chapters right you know, so. right the one thing i do read a lot of is like places i would like to photograph yeah you know, you know what i mean like i've been reading a lot about the uh 
like the caves in China. Oh wow, yeah. Have you seen that stuff lately? Yes, that's going massive on? Yeah. caves. Yeah, yep. yeah. Some of that stuff's they got their own ecosystems down there and not fascinating. There, there's a I forget what it's called, Sun something. Um it's one of the bigger ones in China and they got there's some really cool lighting down there. So that's what I wanted to ask you next. So are you reading it because it's interesting because you're interested in like the the ecology and the geography or are you reading yeah, it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Or are you, or are you like, damn, I want to go shoot there. It, it's both. It's both. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting stuff, you know what I mean? And yep. And it, as a landscape photographer, I mean, I, you you like beautiful things, you know what I mean? For sure. And uh definitely. And it's pretty cool to see some of the images those guys capture down there. Yeah. It's, what it's a cool gig. stuff. What a gig some of these Nat Geo guys have, you know, that they're dangling from a rope a hundred feet up in the air, a quarter of the way down a hole in the earth, you know, that has a rainforest in the bottom of it, taking photos. That's pretty cool. Right. Right. Definitely. But so, well, let's jump into, let's just kind of jump into the, fir the first article a little bit. Um, and because something that you mentioned kind of, it relates to that, I think. So I'll just pull this up on the screen really quick here. And this was the article over on F Stoppers. You know, it says six important things about landscape photography that are often overlooked. Um, yep. And we can just touch on them a little bit, but I'll put links to where these articles are in like the show notes. But, uh, or you could just swing over to F Stoppers. It's, I think it's actually, it might be one of today's stories. But uh, one of the things that you mentioned though was, <sighs> You know, you're doing research about a place you want to shoot. Um, and number two on their list of these six things is go out scouting. Right. And you don't have to jump in your car, jump on a plane, jump on a motorcycle, a horse, a camel, whatever, and go scouting. You right. can do it online now. I, yep, I know where you go. Google Earth. and Yeah. yeah for sure. Yep. And it's, it's one of those things I talk about. Like if I'm doing a presentation about, you know, going to shoot a location i always that's what i do too i get online and i use all these tools like google maps google earth uh photographers ephemeris things like that to help at least get an idea of you know how to shoot that location maybe and i'll jump on Flickr and type in that location and see what other people have shot just to get a an idea of what i might see when i'm there you know i mean are there any other like scouting things that you do jerry like do you talk to people are you on any groups or anything like that or facebook or anything uh, that you do no i mean for me like like i said earlier when we were talking um i typically don't scout lands landscape um locations I, I i'll scout locations for portrait shoots okay yeah um things like that but i usually don't do landscape i usually wait till i get there and which this leads back to another one of the points in the article is I, I, I find my my compositions by taking in the scenery now. You yes. Know what I mean? Oh, my God. That's so important. And I'll sit back and look before I start shooting and, yep. and, you know, size up composition and angles and leading lines. And yeah. And then I'll take some shots. And as we spoke before, like, Early on, there was so many times I would go somewhere really cool and and not remember it when I when I got home. Yeah. Only through the pictures I took. Mm -hmm. Only because I'm rushing to take photos and not taking it in. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that I've, I I don't do anymore. Now I 
if I even take a picture sometimes, you know, I, yeah, I'm there for the moment now. It's, it's funny. Like, I think one of my personal memories that, that that holds true with is from the grand Canyon. I had never been there before and it was part of a workshop and we get there and we kind of told everybody to just scatter and explore. And we'd meet kind of where we started off in about 20 minutes. And then we would, as a group start shooting and it's funny because everybody in that group, they all just stayed together and they followed like this main path. I think we're on the South rim of the grand Canyon and they're all following each other to like a, like a typical public, like overlook or whatever. And I kind of walked off to the side doing my own thing. Cause I knew I had about 20 minutes to just see it for the first time by myself. And there's nothing better. You're right. than just standing there and just taking in the place before you even turn on the camera. Right. You know, and I wish we had Neil in here to, to talk about this one. Cause yeah, he, uh, the way well, he, he composes a lot of his shots, are, and, and he's not going to the average place or the the popular place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Neil Neil's finding cool stuff where no one else is shooting. And it's funny because he's finding this stuff here in some of the more popular places in our state, and still finding a way to to shoot that stuff in a way that. I mean, I know some of the places he shoots are super popular places to shoot, but still finds a way to capture it in a way that I think is very emotional that most people don't do because they're too wrapped up in just trying to take a damn picture. Right. You can see that he appreciates where he's at. Yeah, he takes his time. So I'm wondering if he's if if he scouts locations and, and you know, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get this log here with this line. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is something I don't do. I show up on the day and be like, hmm, let me figure it out as I go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. And, and and sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. Right. Yeah. If you can allow yourself to become emotionally attached to your location first and then turn the camera on, give yourself that time. You know, like you said, build that memory for yourself. Right. You know, and then while you're high on those emotions, you know, like I love going somewhere and it sounds weird, but I, as a photographer, I like to stand in a spot with my eyes closed for a little bit and just listen and smell the air. It's, it's amazing if you do that, how the prairie in Kansas or the mountains in the Rockies or the coast, the superior coastline in Michigan, they all smell different. The air feels different. Um, everything is different. It's obvious it looks different, but use all of your senses to get, connected then open your eyes take it in by then you're kind of relaxed a little bit you're over that initial like super hyped up excitement you know and then you can i think think a little clearer maybe and compose your shots a little bit better and talk to so okay yeah so here let me pull that up on the screen so neil says and talk to locals yes um the last time i went out west it was with my kids granted and it wasn't up for photography when I spoke with the locals, but the locals know the things that the tourists don't, that aren't on the maps necessarily. Um, I wanted to know a place where we could take a dip. It was in Moab and it was 110 degrees and it was hot and not fun. And I asked the local at the restaurant, I said, Hey, is there a cool place where we could go jump in the water? You know, uh, is there a place along the river? And they pointed us to a waterfall. It was a mile and a half hike in the desert 
basically, you know, but there was this like oasis out there, you know, and the only people that were back there were 100% for sure locals. You know what I mean? And you can't underplay how important it is to talk to locals. Um, the church that I shot in, um, in Draper, Utah, when I was there for work, um, I asked somebody, you know, what's a cool, like high vantage point to go, you know, shoot either the the city from up high or a cool location to shoot, you know, and they were like, have you seen the Mormon temple in Draper? It sits up on the hill. It's amazing. It's dark up there, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to be a fun spot to shoot. So yeah, locals are super critical to finding things because we don't live there. Right. You know, it's really good if you get a local who appreciates where they live and somebody who's not just like bored by where they live, you know, because then they can really clue you in. But um, another thing too, and this is kind of a biggie, I think for me, um, don't get frustrated if it isn't what you expected, because that happens a lot, you know, especially if you're researching online a place, chances are you're probably bypassing all the regular photos and looking at like the best stuff possible from that location. And like get turn up rock. <laughs> yeah, if you, dude. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's the perfect example for here in Michigan. Everybody thinks that, oh, shit, I can just walk up on the shoreline and just snap a photo of Turnip Rock because it's this cool structure, you know, that nobody realizes, well, it's private property to get to it unless you kayak, you know, to get to it um, or unless you swim. I don't know if you can even wade to it, but it's a long way to get there. And, you know, you got to you got to understand that things aren't always what they seem and especially you know, if it's going to be, if you're going to Zion or Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, you're looking up all these photos, you're seeing stuff that was taken. And if, again, if you're, as photographers, we're gravitating towards probably the better looking photos, not the average photos, but like they're taking the best time of year, the best time of day, the best light, great clouds, great foliage, whatever, you know. And right. when you get there, it might not be exactly what you saw online you know or we're not taking into account that you know people post process you know and enhance things so when you get there with your eyes it might not look like what you're expecting but it's a good opportunity to kind of just you know push yourself to do better in challenging situations your turn to talk i'm taking a sip right <laughs> my mouth's getting oh there. i agree man um it uh now I'm lost for what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like sometimes things just don't pan out, even when you scout locations. Right. Um, like there's times I go out there and I'm just in a funk. You know what I mean? I don't. Sure. It just seems like nothing's. None of the pictures are coming out the way I wish they would. And, yep. and um, you just can't get frustrated. You got to keep going. And, and uh and don't delete your photos because no. um yeah you're right you know how many times i've went back you know six months eight months a year later and looked at them at that album again and i was yep. like okay i might be able to do something with this i learned something new you know as far as post-processing or yeah or you know i i seen it i see it different the second time i looked at it and i crop it a little different and yep and then you can usually put a gem out of those so for sure Yep. And, and I, 
apologize if I'm always referencing like a place I've been, but I, these experiences are what stick to me. But like a lot of the Oregon coast trip that I did last year, um, the, the weather just was not what I had anticipated. It was overcast almost all the time and not like overcast with cool structure in the sky. It was just like a blanket of foggy mist for a lot of it because having no um even 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 with all the research we did on where we wanted to go we didn't understand that we should be researching that at that time of the year you know there's that marine layer that that creeps in off the ocean and just obscures the sun and it obscures the clouds so you just have to learn how to make do with with what you've got and you know some of the shots i did ended up becoming black and white just because it seemed to fit the mood better and it looked better for for what we were shooting, you know, but yeah, it's. So I got a question about that. Yeah. When, when the weather, like you were saying, you had the fog coming in and stuff like that. Did you guys think of relocating somewhere else to take advantage of the fog? Because when, oh. when I was in the UP last year and we went up to Copper Harbor and we woke up in the morning, we were heading to, to the military base. And it got super foggy. And um, I was like, yo, let's let's go to town. And there was an old, I don't remember what town it was. It's kind of like an old fishing town up there. Sure. And uh, I was like, let's just walk around down, you know, downtown here and take pictures of buildings with the fog and docks and boats. Yep. And so we did that till the fog lifted. And then we went ahead and went on to the base. So, yep. So for, for our trip, um, I think about the third day, the third day in, we kind of learned that, um, it makes more sense because the way the Marine layer works, we wanted, cause it was, it's persistent, you know, I mean, you, it didn't matter where you were at on the coast, you were experiencing it for the most part. Um, and there's not a lot in between. It's just a lot of coastlines. So we couldn't pick like a cool little town or something to hit, but what we did decide on doing was when we knew that the marine layer was going to be thick like in the morning we made sure we were up early enough to get to some wooded areas so that we could get um you know filtered fog coming through the trees right but again even that's like really hit or miss just because of the way the geography is um but you know a lot of it was just figure out how to adapt to what was going on a lot of lens wiping <laughs> right. you know because of the condensation and stuff like that but mm -hmm. But it was good though. I mean, it was frustrating at first. I think for the first like two days, it was it was a little stressful because we had all these visions in our head of like amazing epic sunsets, you know, with like with the sea stacks in the background or what have you, you know. And it just it just wasn't going to happen that way. Right. So we just had to kind of pivot and figure out, you know, a way to just take advantage and work that atmosphere into what we were shooting. Um, yeah, that's a, a big one. And another thing too, and I'll just keep popping this up on the screen here, this article. Um, so the don't be afraid of shooting in the day, you know, yes, as a landscape photographer, you know, obviously that morning light, the evening light, you know, those are the best blue hour, things like that. They're, they're what a lot of us chase, you know, it seems to be the most photogenic and appealing, but I mean, everybody, anybody who follows me or knows me knows that I want 
I, I don't mind shooting in the middle of the day if I've got like great cloud structure to work with, you know? So right. if you've got stuff like that to work with, hell yeah, be out in the middle of the day and shoot, you know, throw an ND filter on and get some longer exposures, you know, and stretch those clouds out and stuff like that, you know, or you might just find that, you know, we'll talk about, I'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but the road trip that I'm taking leaving next Friday, I know that there are going to be a lot of places that we end up on this trip shooting that'll probably be in the middle of the day. day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I just have to kind of work with that. Um, You know, in my head right now, one of the things that I think about is um, especially I'll call this like the worst daytime scenario, pure blue sky, no clouds. Um, Those are great to convert to black and white and turn on the red filter, like in Lightroom and make that blue sky black and you get these wicked contrasty scenes, you know, that's just a way to take advantage of a less than ideal, you know, yeah, situation. No, or look for shadows. Yeah. Hard lines from yep. shadows. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just to get outside of your comfort zone and start looking at things a little bit differently, you know, in those situations. Um, and here, so I'll put this on the screen cause you already touched on this one and I think it's super important. Um, don't delete the images too soon, <laughs> you know? So they're talking about just being on location and I know you don't delete stuff on site anyways. I'm, I mean, I think if most people who have been doing photography for any length of time, you know, they don't sit there and review all their images on location and delete stuff on location. You get back home to delete. But even then, like you said, you know, when you get home and you put them on your computer and you look at them, you're like, ah, oh, damn, these sucker. I don't, I'm not happy with this. Don't delete them yet. Wait. Right. Yeah, you know, come back because, like you said, I usually clean up every couple years. Smart, I'll, you know. I'll, you know, I'll go through them and a few times, and I'm like, yeah, I'm never gonna have any of these. And yep, I end up deleting like eighty thousand photos or something over a course of a couple of years. Yeah, and then I accidentally delete some stuff that I didn't want to, <laughs> and I'm like, God dang it! Mm. So you will never ever, if you follow my advice here right now. You will never accidentally delete those photos if you do what I do. What is that? I don't ever delete anything. I've got yeah. raw files back to 2007. I keep I keep the good stuff. and I keep it all. I keep it all. Because what I think is good, my kids down the road when they're going back through all this stuff, they might be like, damn, that was cool. You know, why did well, they, well, why I, did I, well, I that? take that back. What I'll do is there's, I have a lot of two three four images of the same thing of the same thing trying different settings mm-hmm. to see once once i get it in post you know how much more i can get out of it sure and then i'll go through them and i'll pick the one that that gives me the most and then i got four images that i'll never touch again my man neil <laughs> great minds <laughs> so I, a couple of reasons why i don't delete even those because i'll do the same so i'll shoot a lot of scenes I'll compose and I'll shoot it in like landscape orientation. I'll get the composition how I like it. And then I'll be like, well, I wonder how it's going to look in portrait orientation if I just kind of jockey the composition a little bit. Same shot, two different orientations. Those, yes, are two different images. But I might shoot the same shot two or three times depending on where the water is or the wind is blowing a a tree or whatever. Um, This is where the honesty comes in. Dude, I'm too lazy. I'm so I'm too lazy to go through and cherry pick. I don't go through and star rate. I don't do any of that. I just I if I get back from a shoot, I pull them all up in grid view. 
I go through them like this one, and I, I, I always <laughs> edit in chronological order of how I shot them. It's just how my brain works. And if I've got three shots that are pretty much damn near identical, I'm going to grab one, bring it up full screen, you know, and then I'll just arrow over through all three of them. I'll find the one that just has like the right movement or feel or whatever. I edit that and I move on to the next set of images or whatever, you know, but just lazy. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to mess with it. And hard drive space is cheap. I keep saying that it keeps getting cheaper and cheaper over the years. Um, so I just don't. And like I said, you never know. Somebody might, somebody might find value in it at some point. You know, I don't know who, maybe my, I hope my kids do one day. They look through it, you know, and can understand why I shot what I did or, or what have you. But, um, so we can go on to the next little news article that we were talking about earlier, or we can do an image share, Jerry, or I can run my mouth extensively for a little bit about this road trip, even though everybody's probably sick of hearing about it. But if, if we're doing articles, we might as well just get them over with. Jerry sounds like he's so into this. Let's just get this crap over with. <laughs> so this one is this one touches this one hits hard a little bit you know or at least it did for me yeah, for a while for sure for sure you know so i'll read it because people listen to the audio of this quite a bit so the, it's a petapixel article and it's titled you're still a photographer even if no one likes your images and some of the some of the takeaways from this for me um, I, I just encourage everybody to go read the article for one thing, but just reading from the title of, you know, of the article here, you know, where it hits home for me is it's social media. Um, I spent years doing the whole chase Instagram, you know, do I read way too much on this is how the, the algorithm works. No, this is how it works. You should use, four hashtags no you should use 12 you should use 11 32 is the max you know you should only use this use a hashtag that everybody uses no use a unique one i did that shit for years and it drove me insane and um and there were times where i would post a photo that that i thought i loved it i'm like okay i don't often think i'm a great photographer or anything but every once in a while i'll get a photo i'm like yeah, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty good at this, you know? And then I'll get like five likes. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, <laughs> fuck this, you know? I'm done. I can't take this. I, I hate this, you know? And, and I was letting social media determine whether or not I enjoyed what I was doing. And it, right. it, the, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And the article just kind of harkens back to like why did i start taking pictures in the first place because i loved it i loved making these photos and at some point social media in that little you know endorphin rush you get from seeing a little heart next to your photo changed why i was doing it for for too long yep. and um and i know you and i have had conversations over the years dude where it was like you know you would be like i'm deleting everything i'm starting over yeah, or you're like, you know, I'm just going to do portraits because, you know, this is because you would always say, I want to do portraits because well, this is what I like to do. Well, and, a lot of that had to do with the algorithm when you're mixing things up and then your fan base changes. And mm -hmm. it, it, it was a mess for me, man. 
I, I finally had to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm doing what I like. I don't care yes. about anybody else. Yep. When I started really shooting, I was shooting junk. And when well, I mean junk, well, yeah. no, when, I, when I mean junk, no, I mean like garbage. I was shooting dumpsters and, and raggedy <laughs> ass cars and broken down buildings and houses. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> and, and that stuff wasn't popular. But yeah. I go take a picture of a lighthouse, and all oh of a sudden, God. you know, everybody's liking my lighthouse picture. I'm like, what the? So yep. that's kind of what got me, you know, waterfalls. Everybody likes waterfalls. Everybody likes yep. sunsets. I wasn't doing that in the beginning. Yep. In the beginning, I was shooting what I'm shooting now. Yes. But nobody liked it then. Yep. And that's what got me into landscape was getting the likes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yep. they, they were shitting on my... My raggedy car photos. Yep. But as soon as I post a waterfall or a sunset, everybody was telling me how great it was. And, yep. oh, you're the greatest photographer ever. And, all, you know, all that lame stuff. And then, yep. And then he's like, oh, I can, oh, I'm, I'm getting a, I'm getting a following now and getting more likes. So then you start leaning towards that. And, and then it just, it, it got miserable for me. Yeah. Right? Like when I go to the lake now, I don't want to shoot no lighthouses, do it. I still do it because I'm there. Sure. Yep. But I don't want to shoot lighthouses no more, man. And it's funny because a lot of us have shaped our photography. And, and the funny thing is we're doing it to chase likes. But at the end of the day, the end result of all of this is that Instagram is making a shit ton of money off of all of those people who shoot the things that more people like and so you shoot a lighthouse they can make sure that that shows up on more people's feeds because more people like that and what that does at the end of the day it means so let's say you shoot a dumpster cool ass photo definitely has artistic merit it's cool there's a small subsection of society that's going to understand it and appreciate it you shoot a lighthouse everybody's grandma everybody that's visited a coast or whatever understands the lighthouse they all can appreciate it it's a bigger market that means it's, more ads get served to those people which means instagram makes more money so at the end right. of the day you changed your whole freaking mindset and your artistic thought process to make instagram money and meanwhile it costs you joy right and i mean it's 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 easy to take pictures of beautiful things it's, sure, or, it's, or, it's or, a lot. It's a lot harder to take pictures of ugly things and make them beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you, you get to a point in your photography where you can, you can take a picture of a dog turd and probably make it look good. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you get something, I, call, I always call it low hanging fruit. So coastline photos, and I hope I, I know Neil specializes in stuff, but he's at a different level with this stuff. So don't please don't take offense to us talking about like lighthouses and coastlines and waterfalls, but like. They're, they're definitely an easier subject for a lot of people to understand and be able to shoot. Um, so I just call, I just consider that low hanging fruit. It's easier for me to go be able to make a great photo. I think along the shoreline than it would be to be, you know, in the rural countryside in Eaton County, you know, right. here. And where for I me, live, it's different know. too than you guys. Cause I'm, I'm, it's five minutes from my house. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, there, I'm sure. there every single day. You know right. I, mean? I just, yeah. Well, you get burnt out on it. Right, for sure. You know, it's it's a part uh, of no, your don't get me life. wrong. I I I, en I enjoy doing it because I enjoy 
being at the lake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. And if you're there and you see something that catches your attention, you're going to shoot it. Right. You right. know, because it's what you enjoy doing is shooting. And I think that's why I shoot such a wide variety of stuff because that that's way right, I, do, John. I don't get burned out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So John Thomas says, you know, you've got to shoot what makes you want to grab your camera and go shoot. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and that's why I mix it up. You know? Yep. I shoot and, a lot of different stuff. And and that's been me want, like in the last year and a half or I get, so. I get burnt out, but it keeps me, keeps, no. keeps the skills yep. sharpened. You know yep. what I mean? I mean, that's why in the last year or so, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's, it's not every single thing is like this vibrant landscape. You know, I'm throwing pictures of my truck in there now because it's, it's something I'm interested in, you know, and I'm having fun with it. So it becomes a, a new subject for me to shoot, you know, um, or just whatever, you know, birds, things like that. Just things that I'm just having fun shooting them. And I don't, I can give two craps about Instagram's algorithms or who's going to see it on Facebook anymore. None of that. The minute you disconnect um, social media, the minute you don't equate anything on social media with joy in photography, I think it, it just, it, right. it opens you back up to what really got you going in photography in the first place. Yep. You know? Um, and, and for me, like, I mean, it's not my job. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's huge because this for is sure. my, it's not your my, living. Yeah, this is my fun time. My yeah. me time. Yep. And it's different. I'm, I'm sure it's a hundred percent different for somebody that derives a big chunk of their income from taking photos. I totally get that, you know, for that, sure, for sure. That they don't have a choice. It, it is literally a job. So this whole Instagram algorithm chasing and all that, it's just part of their nine to five, you know, and I understand that, you know, and that's their lifestyle and their decision to make for sure. And once I was disconnected from being an ambassador, you know, with Olympus, that's when I felt, I felt more free then in photography than I, did the whole time not saying that it wasn't fun and amazing and a cool ass experience but i felt beholden to have to i felt like a circus monkey like i had to perform i felt like i couldn't do things that wouldn't align with positive you know association with their brand you know and getting away from that it's just it's kind of freed me up you know it's let me slow down too i don't feel like i have to produce content all the time right right so neil just says he shoots what he loves that's the great locations um lighthouses and beaches can get old for him too he really enjoys the forest the dunes and intimate and, landscapes and that's and that's what i was talking about neil's stuff earlier his his shots in the dunes his stuff in the woods yeah that stuff's cool man yeah like yeah. you don't you don't see a lot of these no, you don't really don't. photographers around here doing that. They don't uh -uh. mix it up like that. They go to the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the waterfalls, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Neil's dune photos and some of his abstracts are just yeah, what some is of that? my favorite go things what I've seen. What do you call that? Ghost for Them shots the, in ghost forest? In the dunes, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's dope, man. Yep, for sure, 100%. Hey, Tammy, welcome aboard. You missed everything, so... Go out and come back in so 30 come minutes. Come back in oh. two weeks or three weeks <laughs> or five weeks or. Yeah, we'll the next time we're back. <laughs> so mentioning, so speaking of that. Why do I look that, like I got jaundice? I don't know. It's your Sony color balance. I look really red, <laughs> so maybe it's my glasses. I don't know. But um, shit, what was I going to say? 
Oh, then you, you were talking about whenever the next show is. Um, so the next show technically would happen when I'm on this road trip and I'm going to do everything in my power to host a show that week from He's wherever I'm at from the road. Yeah. I'm going I'm to be a road host. I'll be home one week next month. Crazy. Yeah. I'll be home three. <laughs> I'm done traveling for the year for work. I'm back. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing it from the road, man. And if you're available, you're available. If not, then I'll, I'll do it from the road. Then. I'll right, do it nice. from the It'll be fun. Place where you're making washers or something. I'm, I'm honestly not 100% certain where I'll be for that show, but I think it'll be in um, Denver. So it'd be yeah, kind of yeah, cool to be. Yeah, is your special guest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or <laughs> actually, there's a the dude that lives there that. Um, super great photographer this guy bryce bradford um i'd like to meet up with him i've never met him in person but he's super cool um but yeah it'd be kind of cool to be if i could have cell phone service and turn my phone into a hotspot and do the show from up in the mountains somewhere it'd be kind of rad but it'll probably be in a hotel somewhere <laughs> <laughs> maybe by the pool in the hotel i don't know but yeah so anyway so those are the two articles that we wanted to kind of touch base on you know um and the takeaway from that second article, though, and I don't know how much it impacts the people that are watching or listening, but don't go down that rabbit hole of feeling like if you're not getting the likes or the shares or the retweets or whatever, that it has anything to do with your photography. It doesn't. It has everything to do with somebody trying to monetize what you share, you know, Unless you want to go down the rabbit hole and feel miserable. I mean, go for don't, it. Don't let us tell you what to do. No. I mean, half of the gray right here, dude, was freaking trying to get to like <laughs> 5,000 followers on Instagram. You know, it's like, screw that stuff. Ugh. So, anyways, you want to do a photo share? You want to? Um... Let's do it. All right. I'll go first. It. I got you, a couple. You do it. You do it. You go for it. Let's see if I remember how to do this. Just like that. Or did I share it to her? So I have a few lighthouse photos, of course. I was in the next parking lot over <laughs> when Jerry shot that. So I took this only because I wanted to show the scale of the badger. Good call. Um, that's a big ass boat. That's a big ship, ass boat. whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was raining actually. And this Lord. actually really cleaned up really nice because the 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 raw image is miserable looking. Yeah, it doesn't look as horrible out as it was in the Oh, movie. yeah, it was bad. It was misty, and you couldn't see it. Good thing uh, they uh, put dehaze into uh, mm -hmm. Lightroom. So this is taken with the Sony a7 IV and the Tamron 150-500. to 500. All of these are actually, I believe, except, except I think the last one. Jerry said um, a7 IV. He's finally yeah, using that a7 bad boy. IV. Yeah, right. It's the second time I shot it in two months. Um, this is, uh, another lighthouse shot, um, from Pier Marquette. Um, this is the day that me and you were standing under the, the, uh, what you call it, as it was pouring rain out. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the, the rain stopped for a second and I stepped out and snapped this and it was actually raining, but I mean, the wonders of Lightroom, uh, you can't tell. And this is my... Damn. Was that the same day? 
Yeah, this is the same day. Yeah, this is when we walked down and you were doing your uh, light. You had your lightning trigger set up. Lightning trigger. Uh, I'll and talk then, about that next. <laughs> and then this is uh, a, I don't know, a really compressed photo of the lighthouse. I thought it looked cool. I like the uh, the way the clouds have those lines, those yeah, striations the in them. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then this here, so this is a shot that didn't work out for me, and I was really disappointed. Um, this is this isn't even edited because it didn't turn out. So I I, I underspoke exposed this by one stop so I could maintain the detail in the clouds. Um, what I wanted to do was focus stack this image. Yeah, but the wind was blowing too much, and oh. the. Uh, dandelions in the front were just yep. it was a, a mess dude i couldn't do it i tried and tried i tried doing you know seven frames five frames two frames and nothing would work out just because the wind was blowing so bad yeah so i was disappointed but i thought this would have been cool if i could have got those in focus in the front so so i really didn't mess with this and this is the tamron 28 to 75 but um yeah that is it for my images Whoa. It's good to see you out shooting with that Sony now. <laughs> right. And I know you're waiting on another camera. Yeah. Dude, God, I've been two, I think I'm two months waiting for that thing, man. Yeah. Well, good things come to those who wait, Jerry. All right. So let me see. Let me, um, let me pull this thing up here. This is going to be a shocker. This first photo, people aren't going to be, they're going to be surprised by this. Yeah, I know. It's another one of my truck, damn it. But <laughs> <clears throat> I look at it this way. I've got a portable model, you know, everywhere I drive. So uh, this was actually in the morning that I was hoping to get out and do some storm chasing. So, uh, hey, really quick, Tammy wants to know which camera you're waiting on. Tell her which one you're getting again. Once again, I am buying the Fuji X100V. <laughs> that is no, it, no, nowhere in stock in the world apparently right except <laughs> except in the fuji group because those guys are getting them every day so i don't they don't god don't like me or somebody you just gotta like supply chain constraints right <laughs> camera gods don't like me right for sure so um yeah again just another shot of my truck uh we were supposed to get stormy weather that day. So I got up early to see if I could get some of the cloud action that was going on in the morning and just dipped out to this country road uh, that I knew just, just where it was positioned. I knew that as the sun was coming up, it was going to be lighting up these clouds and I got lucky and it was actually doing that for me. Um, really not anything much to talk about, about this photo. So I'll just move on to the next one. It was just a fun shot to do. <laughs> Um, Tamron 2875 Sony A7R3 uh, at 75 millimeters though so I want to kind of crunch that background up a little bit with that um, and I guess I could talk a little bit about it um, it's I love shooting with ultra wides it's fun to get a, a crazy look out of those but in car photography it's not always the best choice you get some really funky looking cars out of it so I'm trying to stick with focal lengths that don't distort the shape of the vehicle as much um, unless i'm right. totally trying to go for something funky with it but um, you know, a great lens for car photography is that would like be 50? that no that that uh bill trucks you got oh the 85 
Yeah, actually, honestly, one of my favorite shots of my truck is with the 200 to 600 at 600 millimeters. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> it it kind of crushes the background. Uh, this was later on the same day, so ended up chasing storms all over Hell's Half Acres and drove through a um, the edge of a hail core in Jackson, Michigan. And I thought I was hoping I could get up onto this parking garage in time to get some lightning. And I got up there, and there was plenty of lightning behind my truck. And... Um, so currently what I've been doing is setting the A73 or R3 on time lapse and setting like no gap in between frames and then just trying to make the exposures as long as I can. So um here's a crap thing about Sony. If you're in time lapse mode, you can't go anything lower than the base ISO of 100. So I'm kind of stuck with ISO 100 and like F I shot like an F18 for these. Um just to get as long of exposure as I could. If I could get like, well, I don't know what my extended ISO is, like uh, ISO 64 or something like that, I could have gone from like eighth of a second or something like that to about half a second exposures. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because lightning happens quick enough to where every single time there was a lightning bolt, it was in between exposures. It was pissing me off to no end. So I get like up, a like a six stop or a four stop. You know, I so I used to do that a long time ago, and it seemed like the photos were always too dark. But that was when I first was right. really new in photography. I, so I, I think Dave I Barron's might. Does it? No kidding. Like yeah, daytime yeah, they, shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what I ended up doing. So obviously, this is just a still from the um the time lapse or one of the frames from the time lapse or whatever. Um, I just. The timeless video is kind of cool if you jump on it's on my facebook feed somewhere i think it's actually part of an instagram reel as well uh just the cloud motion was so freaking cool um but this storm ended up producing i think like three, half inch or three quarter inch hail in jackson and i just missed the hail core driving to get to this location but i was super pumped with the way the cloud structure looked so i was I was happy to at least get this shot out of it uh, and this is with, again, this is the Sony a7 III, not the R3, and uh, the Tamron 28 to 75 as well. Um, and this is not like at the long end either. So this is probably at like 28 millimeters. There's not a lot of room on top of that parking garage. Uh, the next shot, this is with you, Jerry. So that same evening that Jerry was shooting those lighthouse photos. Um, <laughs> I was super excited because I bought a camera trigger, a lightning trigger or it's a, like a multi-purpose trigger. It's supposed to do all these different things. Lightning is one of them. And this was my like maiden voyage with it. And the one that I got is from MyOps. And uh, it's pretty dark. It's blue hour here. So I was hoping that that would be easy enough, like enough like light from the lightning to trigger the trigger. And the trigger didn't trigger. It was triggerless. It pissed me off to no end. So I ended up just doing like, long exposure so this is like a 30 second exposure um f8 i think i'm at like iso 400 because i needed to get the foreground at least a little bit exposed uh no pro post processing straight out of the camera here um but again i ran a time lapse and i think i missed several like super cool lightning shots that night because they happened in between frames again so if anyone watching or listening has experience with the MyOps trigger and are successful at actually photographing lightning with it, I'm totally open to any suggestions you might have. But so far, 
it's like a $175 turd. It did not work. So I'm taking it on the road trip that I'm taking next week. Uh, if I do come across some stormy weather, I'm going to give it another shot then as well. But uh, this is the um, Sony A7R3, and this is the Tamron 75 to one air 70 to 180, and this is at 180 millimeters as well. Um, so the next few shots are um, at Kensington Metro Park. I don't remember if this was the day before or the day after we hung out. <clears throat> excuse me but um i went to kensington and it was like a cold rainy windy day and i just needed to get out and shoot i just wanted to shoot some wildlife so this is the a7r3 tamron uh 200 to 600 and this is just a tree swallow but this is iso 12800 um and that's how dark it was and how gloomy it was and the reason the ISO is cranked as high as it is, is because I had my camera set at one one thousandth of a second shutter speed, just because it's a big ass lens. Uh, holding it steady isn't the easiest thing, even though it has image stabilization, but it was also windy. So any movement in the trees, I wanted to be able to freeze that. And then also if the birds were moving, I wanted to be able to freeze that as well. Uh, next shot, uh, common yellow throat. Um, not like a very rare bird, but they're super cool looking. And uh, again, Tamron 200 to 600 uh, at 600 millimeters. Uh, I'm on auto ISO, so I think this was like ISO 5000 on this one. Um, just fun little birds to watch and try to shoot. They move around quite a bit, so you only get like a split second to shoot them. Another Sandhill Crane, uh, again, just all of these are just bird photos. And a lot of it was just me really just getting more hands on time with that big 200 to 600 and, and getting to understand, you know, the best technique for holding it steady and how to, you know, track little critters that are moving around and all of that. Uh, you got not, a monopod? I do have a monopod. Um, and I, I actually did bring the monopod. So this is on a monopod. So I take that back. So these are all on monopod shots. But even on a monopod, you're still not as steady as you are on a tripod. But you're right. definitely steadier than just hand holding. I use right. the monopod as well, like kind of like a walking stick. And uh, if anybody's curious about the monopod that I'm using, it's, a, it's one from Vanguard that I put a ball head on the top of so that I can at least pivot it around a bit. I'm clicking that there's no more photos from me i'm done <laughs> that's all i had not a ton but mostly just bird photos i'm saving all of my photographic gusto for uh this road trip coming up so yay can't wait for that it's gonna be fun for sure So Mo says, uh, a challenge to expose the black face on the common yellow throat and get detail in the eye. You're right. It's definitely, it's hard to get that contrast between the two for sure. Um, but I think that it's probably a little bit of a combination. So this is how I meter. I like to do center weighted metering. And because I'm more concerned with exposing for my subject. Um, I know if you're using like matrix metering, uh, you know, it wants to evaluate the whole scene and you're probably going to lose detail that way. If I wanted to really, really, really nail it, um, it would probably be like spot metering, but I hate spot metering because 
I'd like to conserve a little bit of the background as well. Um, thank you, Tammy. And thank you, Neil, very much. We appreciate it. Uh, it's good to have you on, Neil. I don't know if you've watched the show before or not, but it's cool to see a... We need to get him on the show. Yeah, hey. We, we talked about it before, remember? We just... We just got to get this guy on here. Everybody needs to we see get ourselves work. out here. So for you people who aren't from Michigan, um, if you've, I'll, I'll just say this. Chances are, if you live outside <laughs> of Michigan, mm -hmm. you may have seen billboards in your state talking about pure Michigan and visiting Michigan and stuff like that. There's a very good chance you've seen Neil's work. I, um, I think his, the, the one I saw, I said in Grand Rapids yesterday, the, the uh, Northern Lights, uh, I think it was... Uh, Whitefish Point, maybe? Yeah. Or? No, it was Eagle Harbor, I think. Eagle Harbor, yeah. I've, oh, seen, I've seen one of Neil's shots. I think I was in... Shit, I was... I, this is going <laughs> to... This is a big spread here. I swear to God, it was either in L.A. or in Philadelphia. I don't know which one, but it was a... I've seen ads. I've seen Pure Michigan billboards on both sides of the country. And I know I've seen Neil's photos outside of the state. So yep. it's pretty cool. So anyways, if we can get Neil on, I think it'd be a treat. Everybody would get a kick out of that. For sure. Know, for sure. How open he is to something like that, but we'll pester him and see if we can get him on. He said he would come on. I talked to him about it before. Well, good. So. We're going to hold his feet to the fire on that one. So um, I guess that could probably be it. Um, again, I won't go in depth about it tonight, um, but I do have... A big road trip, three thousand mile road trip. Um, the route is pretty extensive. It's going to take me from. Actually, I just pull up the photo really quick. I'll show everybody what this, what this route is going to look like. Um, for those who may be curious about where the heck Jamie's going to be, uh, let me pull that up here. I don't know how well this will show, but it's worth a shot. Do 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 and. I know I've put this out there before on the socials, but I'm always open to suggestions for places along this route Yay. for people to suggest. Um, I'm doing the big lasso here. So going up through Illinois, through Wisconsin, um, across Minnesota, across South Dakota. Um, I know it doesn't show on there, but if we can work it in, I'd like to work myself further into Wyoming and take Shelly over towards Jackson is way too far into Wyoming, but there's a chance that um, we could make our way a little deeper into Wyoming other than just cutting across you, the corner hit here. Devil's Tower? I don't know. It's, it's kind of straight over from here, but or like maybe up in here. Um, nothing is, nothing is off the table. I'll just say that um, simply because this is just like a rough outline right. of what I thought about. Anything is in the realm of possibilities. I've got eight days to make this trip in. Okay. So, um, and I'm going to base whether we start off heading north first or south first based on what the weather forecasts are. I'm dying to get um, myself and Shelly out around some Plain States uh, supercell activity to shoot some of that as well. Um, but it's definitely going to be an exciting trip and like i said if anybody has suggestions of things to see along any section of this route uh feel free to shoot them my way we'd love to add them to our list of potential things um so here let me just uh, pop this up here so mo asks if there's any excitement for the om1 or is the four thirds still a step down from the full frame sony i wouldn't say it's a step down it's um 
I have, I personally have no excitement for the OM1 because I don't have one. And I have enough micro four third stuff that I think I can shoot well enough to where I, I don't, I personally don't feel like the OM1 would be a, a big enough improvement for me to invest my money in at this point versus an EM1X or the Mark III. For me, uh, I have no problem tracking birds in flight with the EM1X and the 300 or the uh, 40 to 152.8. I do great with it. So the OM1, I don't think brings anything new to the table for me. So that's why I personally don't have any excitement for it. If they do something revolutionary with their technology, um, the the big the big draw for me honestly with sony right now is the dynamic range which there's it's not there in the micro four-thirds stuff we should do us we should do something about that jerry show some good examples Can maybe uh maybe i'll take like an olympus camera out and shoot like an evening scene or like right. a scene that has a lot of shadow and stuff that i might want to pull out and then shoot the same scene with a with a sony and we'll comparable lens yeah hell yeah dude that's a perfect example and uh, and just show everybody w why Sony is another part of my kit. Um, it, I'm not downplaying Micro Four Thirds. It's just it doesn't do some of the things that the other right. that a full frame camera does, and the, the resolution. I mean, the ability to crop in and take crop in to just half of the original image and still have the same size image as I get from a full size micro four thirds photo that says you know that's it's got its advantages for sure you know especially shooting wildlife so it's a tool you know and different tools serve different purposes i'm probably taking an olympus on this road trip just because there's a if there's stormy weather i'm for sure taking one just for live composite <laughs> you know just because that camera trigger sucks that i bought so <laughs> but anyways i guess we can um so Tammy says she's shooting at ISO 12,800 on her OM1. So I would love to get my hands on a on a raw file from an OM1 if anybody wants to share one. And not like a daytime 12,800, but something that's at like in Low the light. blue hour, yeah. like in like in a city, you know, um, like a street scene or something at 12,800. I'd really like to do that, see something like that. Um, it's easy to shoot at ISO 12,800 in good light. So, um, yeah, if I can get my hands on one, I'll definitely like to do some sort of a review about it, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. So anyways, thank you very much, Tammy. So she says for all, all hers are, um, birds and wildlife. Well, that's a good test right there then. So I guess we'll go. We'll see everybody in two weeks. I'll see everybody from wherever I'm at. And Jerry will be at a Slayer concert, on the phone. I think. Oh, he'll be on the phone. Is that this? Yeah. I thought you did this. I thought you were going to a Slayer concert. Oh, you're doing this? Okay. Hello. All right. Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right, you guys. Take care. We'll see you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you.